Amazing. Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast on the Class. Be- Breakfast on the Class is dedicated in loving memory of Elliot C. Cohen, Alava Shalom, Lirushbat Eliyahu Ben Rachel. Sponsored by Penny Cohen, Fallis, and children Charles, Rachel, Danielle, Alex, and Sherry. Breakfast on the Class is also dedicated in loving memory of Josh Antibi, Alava Shalom, Lirushbat Yoshua Ben Gerez. Sponsored anonymously. And dedicated in celebration of the birth of baby Barzilai. May Hashem bless him to become a great Torah scholar and to also reach great heights on the wings of his parents. Mazal Tov and Siman Tov. Congratulations. Breakfast of the class is dedicated in loving memory also. Lilu Nishmat Parviz Yaakov Ben Sarah Verifael. Allah Shalom. Sponsored by the Nurani family. The Pasuk tells us, Vaisa Aharon et Yadav. And Aharon raised his hands, El Ha'am, to the people, Vayivarechem, and he blessed them. Vayered me'asot e'hatat. And he came down from the Mizbeach from doing the Korban Hatat. This, this Pasuk is said in Parashat Shemini, just so we get a little bit of the background so we know what we're talking about. Parashat Shemini tells us, really opens talking about. And it was on the eighth day. What's the eighth day? The eighth day of the Miluim. The Jewish people had set up the Mishkan, if you remember. It took them a long time to set it up. They finally set it up. The first seven days, Moshe Rabbeinu went around doing all the Avodah as the Kohen Gadol, showing them how to do the Korbanot. Not only that, there were certain Korbanot that were part of the inauguration service of the Beit HaMikdash. Moshe Rabbeinu would make the, uh, the, kor- the korbanot, the Kohanim would eat from those korbanot, etc., etc. They learned the laws of notar, of eating, of, of doing it in the proper way, the clothing. Everything had to be just right when they started their service for the, very, for, for the very first time. And on the eighth day, this day is the first day of, uh, of the beginning of the service in the Mishkan. Okay? This eighth day. And on this eighth day, unfortunately... There's a terrible tragedy, the tragedy, as we know, of Nadav and Aviu, which I'm sure we'll speak about a little bit during the week. However, um, on that day, Aaron ascends to the Mizbeach to do the Avodah, and he blesses the Jewish people. He raises his hands, and he blesses the Jewish people. And he came down off of the Mizbeach from sacrificing and bringing the Khatat, the Korban Khatat. And I want to share with you um, something beautiful from the Tiferet Shilomo. He says that the Pasuk can be understood on many levels. On a simple level, it just means that Aharon, he gave the Beracha and he came down from doing, from bringing the Korban Khatat. But I think what he's asking over here and what he's trying to understand is, you don't have to tell me what he was doing. It's not relevant to me to know what he was doing. You want to tell me he, uh, he gave the Beracha, you know, if you didn't tell me that he came down, what would I assume for the rest of his life he lived on the Mizbeach? He went up, he did the Korban Khatat, and he gave him Berachah. Telling me that he came down from doing the Khatat, what does it add to my understanding? And he says something just so powerful. He says the Gemara brings a, a concept. And the concept is, En ma'avirin ala mitzvot that we don't pass over the mitzvot. This concept, we find it in a lot of different places. Where do we find Ema Avinira mitzvot? 
How you put your tefillin away. So you don't mix, you don't put your shell, your shell rosh underneath your shell yad. Or when you're gonna reach in your bag, you don't go touch the tefillin that you're not gonna put on first and then go to the other one. Because that's disrespectful. You're skipping over the mitzvah. Another example is the arrangement of the seder plate. The way we have it set up, the first mitzvah that you're gonna do is closest to you. That way, imagine the first mitzvah was the last, you'd be literally skipping over three mitzvot to get to that one. It's an embarrassment, it's a bizayon to those mitzvot. So therefore, in order to not have ma'avirin on mitzvot, that we put the, t- the tefillin away in a certain way. We also put the talet above the tefillin. Right? Why? Since there's a halakha that goes ma'alin bakodesh velo moridin, which means you go up in levels of kiddushah, you don't go down. So we're not going to start with the tefillin, we're going to start with the talet. But if you put your tefillin in, on, in the bag, excuse me, second, then what does your hand come to first? Tefillin, you're now reaching past it for the talit. That's the simple understanding. Says the Tiferet Shilomo, En ma'avirina mitzvot, there's another way of understanding it. And he says something that I thought was just so beautiful. And even though in the understanding of it, it's not the simple pshat, it's maybe a little bit more esoteric, the lesson is mind-blowing. You know what the pasuk means when it says, that Aharon blessed them, Vayered hatat. He came down from doing the Korban Hatat. It means that when Aharon was blessing the Jewish people, he came down from doing their Hatat, from bringing their Korban that was a sin offering. When he gave them a Beracha, he, he moved away from any understanding, any, any focus, any recognition that these were people that needed a korban for forgiveness for their sins. Because if you wanted to bless them wholeheartedly, the only way to bless them wholeheartedly is to only see them in their most positive light. That's why in the Berachah of the Kohanim, what's the last word of the Berachah? Levarech et Yisrael. Right? Be'ahava. With love. What? Bless them or don't bless them. What does bless them with love mean? It means that the only way I can bless truly is if I'm coming from a place of love, not a place of judgment. The only way I can bless someone in my family is if I'm coming from a place of love and not a place of judgment. I have to figure out how not to focus. to move away from relating to the person in that way and to see them in their most positive light. The Pasuk tells us by Yitzhak that Yitzhak asks Esav, he tells him, I want to give you a beracha. Go prepare me the meat the way I want. Why? In order that my soul should bless you. Yitzhak needs meat, that's the point. He's gonna, that these berachot were pretty epic. I mean, you think about it. It's a matter of life or death. Esav is going to kill Yaakov over the fact that Yaakov got them. Yaakov is so nervous about getting the Berachah because he's nervous if his father catches him, he's going to curse him to the point that his mother says, I'll take the Kilala. You just go get the Berachah. This is an epic moment over here. Very important. And yet, and yet, what does Yitzchak say? Look, if there's no meat, it's not happening. <laughs> 
Like you want a berachah, no problem. Reserve cut. <laughs> That's what he's saying? Wagyu. Yeah, not even the cheap steak. I want the most expensive one. Even though if I don't like it, you have to buy it, put it on the table. What is he saying? The answer is that Yitzhak understood that if Esav brought him something, if Esav gave him something, if he brought him this gift, then he, could, he would have something to focus on about Esav Harasha that was positive. What was Esav's biggest mitzvah? We know he only had one. Kibud Avayim. Yitzchak says, I know you're doing all sorts of other things, but I want to bless you. I want you to be better. I could only do that if I see you through the lens of a child that's a tzaddik, that has possibilities of being a tzaddik. So therefore, go, go get me something. Go get me some, uh, some food, some meat. And then, I'll bless you with my whole heart. My friends, it goes, I think, a little bit deeper than that. I think if Yaakov had been getting the Berachot, he would not have needed to prepare for his father meat. Why? Because his father could bless him as he is. This is the Habob. This is the kid that studies Torah, does mitzvot, everything is on the up and up. When he asks Esav to go get him uh, goats, what does he ask? He asks him to go hunt him goats. They, Yitzchak is a wealthy man. He has enough goats in the backyard. Why is he asking Esav to go hunt it for him? And the answer, my friends, of course there's other answers. Even though Esav was a master hunter, a marksman, he wouldn't miss. He was able to do shechita, kosher, with a bow and arrow. Now, if you understand the laws of shechita, you can't press at all. There can be no pressure from the knife on the simanim, on the kanan, on the veshet, on the windpipe and on the food pipe of the animal. If you push at all, terefa. That means that the only way to do shechita is if it's being shechita like a violin with no pressure. The knife is so sharp that you just pull it across and that's how it cuts. Esav is able to do that with a bow and arrow. Think about what that means. And on this day, nothing he does works. He can't hunt, he can't trap, he can't catch. Nothing is working. Why? The Midrash says that the angels were conspiring to be able to ensure that Yaakov would have enough time to switch to Berachot because they actually belonged to him. But my friends, that's on a simple level. What was Yitzchak's intention? Yitzchak's intention is, I know this guy, he's a hunter. I know this guy, he can be a murderer. He murders with that bow and arrow and not just animals. What if I could get him to use his traits, his skills, his path, even his sinful ways in a positive path? Go do kibud avayim, but don't get me one from the backyard. Go hunt me one. If he could find a way of turning him letav, seeing that possibility in him, having him do that, then he could bless that. 
And if he could bless that, because as we know, the nature of biracha is not when you introduce something new to a situation, but rather when you magnify that which is already in the situation. Like the story of Elisha, what do you have in the house? She has oil. He blesses that there should be more oil. But there has to be something to bless. My friends, in our lives, with our families, our children, our spouses, we always want to bless them. We want to build. But you can only build on something that's already there. Trying to introduce something new, to make them into something that they are not, so that you can love them. That's not how it works. It has to come from within the person themselves. <clears throat> it has to be <coughs> in their own path. And Esav, who uses his bow and arrow for all sorts of other things, Yitzchak says, if I could have you do this, see you that way, bless you here, then there's a pathway to the goal, then we can build this thing into something very powerful. My friends, that was what Aharon was doing. He wants to bless the people, so what does he do? He moves away, he comes down from thinking that he's sacrificing for these people's sins. It is the job of every person to be able to discover the hidden tzaddik in their fellow Jew. To see in their fellow Jew not their problems, their issues, the things that you want to cast, you know, castigate them for, but rather the most beautiful things. And that is how the Teferet Shilomor explains the Gemara, in ma'avirin ala mitzvot. A lot of times a person is coming to do a mitzvah, he wants to do something good. He wants to pray. He wants to reach out to God. And he thinks to himself, how could I open my mouth to pray to Hashem? How am I sitting here writing a letter in the Sefer Torah? Where was I last night? What was I doing yesterday? How do I keep Shabbat? What am I doing with, uh, you know, with, with, uh, my, with my office? What am I? I'm a rotten person. In ma'avirin, you don't bring your averot alham mitzvot onto the mitzvot. Don't bring your averot to that story. That was who you were yesterday. But right here, Right now, what is your kavanah? What is your intention? And what is your direction? Your direction is letob. That's who you are in this moment. The failings, the shortcomings of my deeds yesterday, they have nothing to do with who I am today. Now, in the realm of people, people don't buy that. Oh, you think I forgot what you did? I know who you are. I know what you are. But like the Pasuk says, that a person sees He sees with his eyes And God sees a person's heart. Where is your heart? Aharon's capability was always to be able to see in the innermost depths of the Jewish heart. How do you think Aharon made shalom between a husband and wife? He would go tell the husband, I met your wife. Your wife really wants to make up with you. She'd say, really? I can't believe it. She told me to go kill myself. 
go see the wife. He says, your husband, oh my gosh, I saw him, Hazi, he's doing, he's going crazy, he wants to make up with you. wants to make up with me. I can't believe it. He told me that our marriage is the worst decision of his life. Oh, you don't know. What is Aaron lying all over the place? The answer is Aaron wasn't lying. Aaron was saying that underneath the hurt and underneath the anger and underneath the bitterness and underneath the protections that we build, so much hatred that is around in this world is not hatred be'etzem. It's hatred because of hurt. It's hatred because of protection. I need to protect myself. I'm so angry with how I'm feeling, how you made me feel. It's easier to push you away at the tip of a knife than it is to welcome you into my broken heart. So Aaron saw the people's hearts and he said, I'm telling you, who knows the Jewish heart more than the Kohen Gadol? I know what he really wants. He really wants you. Yeah? I know what she really wants. She really wants you. So the Aharon that was able to do that was also able to bless the Jewish people. And he would move away in this process of Beracha from doing or from relating to them in their sinful state. My friends, Matoka Or, he says, a beautiful idea. He says that maybe this is the understanding when we have in the Pasuk, the Pasuk says, Sur The normal understanding of this Pasuk is that a person has a sequence. First, Sur Move away from doing bad things. You're a Ganav. You stole money from people. You promised them you're going to invest in a certain place. You didn't. Your middle name is Ponzi. Okay? Sur First turn away from that and ve'asetom. And then go give tzedakah. Don't give tzedakah when you have somebody else's money in your pocket. That's a literal understanding of this pasuk. But there's another understanding here as well according to what we're saying. There are times when a person is not strong enough to be able to turn away from ra. The yetzerah has them in a chokehold like this. It's too hard. So here we have an alternate understanding. Surmira, turn away from your own self-definition as a person who's a bad guy, a person who's a thief, a person who's a you know callous individual who's heartless. Turn away from that self-definition. Vasetov, just do the mitzvot that come your way. Once you've done those good things, you know what happens? You've built up some fuel already to be able to go down that difficult journey of surmera, <laughs> of uprooting the evil. Sometimes a person can feel that there's a level of imposter syndrome. You know, my friend, I had some friends back in the day when I was living in London. And they used to tell me all the time, Rabbi, you don't know, when we were younger, we had that Sephardic heart. I said, what do you mean? They said, we would go clubbing all night and come straight from the club to Selichot. Wow. He said, the guy said, that was, he goes, we were some messed up boys. I was like, messed up boys? 
You could have went somewhere else from the club, and instead you went to the synagogue. I'm happy for your sur merah v'asetob. And these boys now are wonderful people. They're doing great things in the community. You know why? Because they didn't say to themselves, me, how could I go to Silichot if I just went, if that's where I was? They compartmentalized and they said, you know what? It's true. Over here, I'm not the best. But now over here, can I do this? Can I try something? You know, some people, there's a famous phrase that says, perfect is the enemy of good. And therefore, because they're not perfect, they don't allow themselves to take a step towards good. Could you, could you take a beat? Pause. Could you come off the Mizbech for 30 seconds? Forget the fact that you're a sinner. You are. Got you. Okay. You, 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 want, you want to hear that? That's what you are. Fine. But you know what it reminds me of? And we'll end with this. There's a famous, there's a famous story that they say in the name of Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman of Breslov, Mashal. He says, I have a king, and the king has a son. And Hazit, the son, is Majnun. He's lost his mind. He's not well. He sits under the table. He's 20 years old, naked like the day he was born. And he's quacking like a duck. He tries to get him to come out from under the table, tries to get him to get dressed, tries to get him to help. The guy says, I don't want help. I don't need clothes. I'm a duck. It reminds me maybe of a little bit like our generation. Dad, why can't you accept me the way that I am? <laughs> hey, guys under the table, he's a duck. The king's trying to have meetings with all the princes of all the places, all the governors. You know, all of a sudden they're like, should we raise the taxes? Quack, quack. How does coming out, eating the breadcrumbs? He's humiliated. Until finally, a very wise man comes and he says, look, I can heal your son. He said, but no questions, and I'm allowed to do whatever I want to do. He says, at this point, whatever you want to do, is, is, whatever you want to do is going to be better than what I've got going on. Little did he know, next morning, comes to the table with all uh, the ministers. That is two guys naked under the table. His son and the psychologist. And the son quacks, and the other guy quacks back. Shema Israel. He says, what are you doing? And the psychologist looks at him. He goes, all right, yeah, you said that. Yeah, okay, fine. One day goes by, two days go by, till eventually the son looks at the psychologist and he says to him, what are you doing over here? How come you're under the table? And why are you naked? He says, why am I under the table? And why am I naked? Why are you under the table? Why are you naked? Kid says, because I'm a duck. Psychologist says, I'm also a duck. He says, oh, nice to meet you. This is wonderful, you know, waiting for a friend. Anyway, they're quacking back and forth to each other like a couple of Mishugayim. King's losing his mind. A full week of this goes by. He doesn't know what to do with himself. On day number eight, the psychologist comes under the table, but he's wearing underwear. Turns to the other, to the, the son turns to the psychologist and says, what are you doing? Why are you wearing underwear? 
I thought you were a duck. He says, who said? Who said a duck can't wear underwear? Who said? Kid thinks, you know, it's true. There's no pasuk, pasuk that says, Lo you know, it doesn't say that anywhere. There's no Gemara, there's no Mishnayot. He looked through Safaria, there's nothing there. Okay, no halakha. Maybe it's a minhag. <laughs> he says, you should also wear, he goes, I brought an extra pair in case you want, a little chilly. He says, okay, puts it on. The next day, he comes in with pants. We're doing pants. Who says duck can't wear pants? Okay, puts pants on. Two days later, a shirt. Another day later, you know, uh, what's it called? He, he says, uh, I'm going to go up. I'm going to sit at the table. They have some delicious food there. He says, what do you mean? He says, who says a duck can't eat at the table? Who says a duck can't eat this? Who says a duck can't do that? Who says a duck has to quack? Who says? Till eventually, he had that sitting at the table with everybody else, living a completely normal life, and he still thinks he's a duck. But he's living a normal, productive life. My friends, there's many messages from this story and the rehabilitation of this man to this patient. But the lesson for today is who says you can't be a rasha and also be a tzaddik? Who said you can't be breaking averot where you're weak and doing everything right where you're strong? Who said? Who said that the fact that you're doing one avon means that you have to do two? Who said that? Nobody said that. So you know what? I'm not going to bother you about who you are and what you are and what you're not. But nobody said that you can't do what you're doing and also pray. No one said you can't do what you're doing and also wear tzitzit. No one said you can't do what you're doing and also wear tefillin and also keep Shabbat, and also keep Tarat HaMishpacha, and also keep kosher. Nobody said. Who said a Rasha can't have a, a, a Ma'akeh around his roof? Nobody said that. A Rasha can't have a Mezuzah? Why not? Let him have a Mezuzah. Fadal. I'll let you be whatever you want. Just do the right thing. Sur Ve'asetob. In the end, you know what happens. You're eating at the table, you're wearing clothes, you're having normal conversation with people, you start to think, maybe I'm not a duck. This reversal of understanding what we allow ourselves to be and the way we allow ourselves to see ourselves, it's not only the realm of Aharon and Yitzchak, it's something that's true for all of us towards the people in our lives, but it's also true for us about ourselves. May Hashem bless us. Vayered me asot echatat. En ma'avirin ala mitzvot. Sur merave asetov. To focus and hone in on our successes and not harp only on our deficiencies. Baruch Adonai le'olam.